Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is, what's today? Thursday, January 25th. We are here live. It's time for an hour of free-for-all followed by an hour of rolling toe. We don't have a whole lot of time here in this first hour, so jump in and join us. I've got some things I'm going to talk about while we're waiting on some calls. The number today, we're back on uh, our primary phone system. Yesterday, we started with it, had to switch over to our backup. Uh, So the number today, 319-527-6791, or your call now button will work on the app. Use either one and jump in here and join us. Um, I'm not entirely confident that this is going to work today. It seems like it's working right now, but I, I had an audio issue yesterday that showed up twice. We had to restart, and I spent all day yesterday trying to figure out what caused it so it wouldn't happen again and never could figure it out. So uh, we will just have to wait and see what happens. We are continuing to uh, upgrade all of our systems, getting ready for our software launch here with our broadcast app within the next couple of weeks we'll start beta testing it Uh, hopefully we can finally get through some of these technical issues we've been struggling with and get back to just doing the show without so many interruptions what do i want to start with today i have a couple big things i want to talk about um this one was interesting i'm going to start on this one um, cloud truck. If anybody has any experience working with cloud truck, they, they call themselves kind of a virtual carrier. Their whole system is supposed to be cloud-based. You know, that that's kind of like saying digital broker today. You know, we, we use the term digital broker for companies like Uber and Convoy that weren't traditional brokers and got into it because of the technology that they developed. Well, while that was happening, many, many big brokers, medium brokers, and even small brokers um, also developed technology, similar stuff, uh, but they were more traditional brokers first. So, you know, there was a time when that was a pretty big distinction, a, a traditional broker, a digital broker, calling this company a virtual carrier is kind of the same thing. I mean, yes, they started as a virtual carrier with all of their infrastructure in the cloud, but there are many, many carriers today that have just as much technology and are cloud-based, and we don't refer to them as virtual carriers. So it's not a big, big deal that they're virtual, that that's fairly common. Um, I'm just wondering if anybody has any experience with them. Here's what they're offering. I'm, I'm pretty shocked by these numbers. And this might be a really good opportunity for owner-operators who are struggling and need some stability to get through this market. Listen to these numbers. They are offering a revenue guarantee that if, um, let me get back to the details of this. I had, uh, I have all my notes, uh, but this is, um, these are pretty interesting numbers. I'm uh, I'm a little shocked by these, actually, that uh, they're this strong. What they're doing is they're going to guarantee revenue uh, for owner-operators. And here are the numbers. They say virtual carrier drivers, but we're really talking about owner-operators here, who drive at least 
2,000 loaded miles each week over a two-week period are guaranteed a weekly revenue of $4,500. And those who drive at least 1,500 loaded miles each week over the same period are guaranteed thirty to fifty in weekly revenue. Those numbers work out to be two twenty five a mile and two sixteen a mile. That's pretty significant. Now I get it, you gotta get two thousand loaded miles or fifteen hundred. Um, if they don't have enough freight to get you to that number, then I guess this guarantee won't mean much. So we'll just have to see how this works out in the real world. But if you can consistently get these kind of numbers, I, I did some quick math. Um, if you do the 2,000 miles a week, we're talking about 104,000 miles a year. Now that's loaded. So depending on how efficient you can be in their system, add another 10% for empty miles. Um, the numbers still work out really well. On that guarantee alone, you could conceivably clear $100,000 as an owner-operator. The math, you're going to make 168000 in revenue. My goal and my target has always been as a single truck owner operator, you should be able to get your expenses down to the point where you can clear half of the gross. Now, there's some caveats in there, but that, that's a reasonable number. We've been shooting for it for years. I have lots of owner operators right now who break that number consistently. So you could... You could, uh, no, I'm sorry, the revenue, 234000 on that one. On the, if you get 2,000 miles a week, you're going to do, uh, do 234000 That does, it's not all that difficult to clear 100000 out of that. This strengthens my point of why you spend so much time working on expenses, more time than you work on revenue. If you're smart, you're going to work on both. But I would say, honestly, in my opinion, in looking at, you know, the, the material I'm putting together for the CMC, which I'm going to talk about, um, about 80% of your time should be spent trying to lower expenses and about 20% of your time trying to raise revenue. Had you been doing that through the downturn, you'd be in better shape now, and this opportunity would be excellent. Here's a guaranteed rate. If you are already good at controlling your expenses, this is a great opportunity. Uh, if you only made the 1,500 miles every week, the revenue works out to 168,000. We could still do about 75 or 80,000 net on 1,500 miles a week. Like I said, maybe call it 1,650 or 1,700 with deadhead. The numbers are still very generous, in my opinion. This is a, probably the most um, lucrative revenue guarantee I've ever seen. There aren't that many revenue guarantees for owner-operators anyway. Um, this one looks, uh, looks pretty generous to me. So uh, we can talk about that. Calls are starting to come in. Um, one other thing I did want to talk about, um, and you're going to be hearing a lot about this from me, uh, because this is my primary focus right now. The relaunch of CMC, CMC 2.0 Certified Master Carrier. Uh, we've got a lot of things going on on this program in the background. We will be launching it at MATS this year. That is in the works. 
CMC 2.0 will be an official part of the Mid-America Truck Show going forward. So we are looking at doing a live event for CMC every year at BATS starting this year and launching the program. And that will be followed by a full year of virtual training. So every other week, we will be doing a virtual webinar. I'm sure they will be at least two hours. Uh, many weeks will probably go more like three. I'm trying to work out how much material I've got. One of the things I'm really excited about, I, I've been doing, I, I did my first seminar at Matt's in 1999. You know, the, the fun thing about this was um, I, I was brand new back then. I had never done a seminar. Uh, nobody had any idea who I was. That was in 1999 at Matt's, and we had a, a, a fantastic program. It was called Partners in Business, Overdrive put it on. At the time, Volvo was the big sponsor. That program is still going on today. Partners in Business still exist. I still present um, sometimes for Partners in Business. In fact, I, I'm not sure if I will be this year or not at Matt's because I've got a lot going on. Uh, but I've been doing that program since 1999. I've had a couple years off here and there. Um, Brent Hutto was there. That was when I met Brent. Um, Brent is a big part of the new program. Truck Stop is uh, our major sponsor for this program. Um, going forward, Nastic will be a, uh, a, a partner in this program as, as well. I'm not sure what role Nastic's going to play at, at Matt's because we're kind of scrambling for time. But um, going forward, Nastic is also a big partner in this program. I've talked about it before that it's going to be built like a franchise from start to finish. I mean, I, here's what I'm excited about. I, I, like I said, I've been doing seminars since 1999. I get invitations all the time. One of my biggest struggles is when somebody says, we want you to do a seminar for owner operators and you've got three hours. I have no idea what I should present when I'm given three hours. I really don't. I struggle with this every time. Do, do I try to do a kind of a big picture so I can cover more ground? And I can't cover much in three hours. I know it seems like a long time, but I really can't. Or do I pick one thing like fuel mileage and spend the entire three hours on fuel mileage? It's always a struggle to the point where sometimes I just turn it down. I, I don't know the best way to provide value in just three hours. The last CMC event, well, the last several that were five-day events, um, I would spend between 30 and 35 hours on the stage that week. That's how much material I would present. Then we had other presenters, and there, there's a lot of material in that program. And if I look at the material in the CMC program, and all of the material I have about being a successful owner-operator or carrier, the CMC is about half. So when I started thinking about that, how much time it would take me to present all of the material I have about this topic, it's probably 50 to 60 hours. That doesn't include the other presenters we've had in the past, Pittsburgh Power and um, MD Alignment, Mike, Mike and Kevin Beckett, and um, we, we used to do a full day on negotiation training. We, we brought in another speaker for the CMC and did negotiation training. 
Uh, I'm looking at all that material. How do we fit that all in? And this is the only way to do this hybrid virtual live training. So we have some live events at least once a year at Matt's. This may grow into more than that, but we'll see. And then we have all, we, all year to cover as much material as possible in the virtual program. The other thing that the, the virtual program helps us do is bring the cost down. So the cost of the five-day CMC event was $1,800 a person. That was just to get in. You still had to pay for travel. You had to get there. You had lodging while you were there. You had to pay for hotel. It was a big investment. But, but I will tell you, we, we have not had any complaints about the CMC over the years. I, not one. I mean, really, it was, it, the program was put together very well. We're proud of it. Um, people loved it. Came back year after year after year. Um, we had somebody who had been, um, many of you might remember, Jimmy, used to always call in as Jimmy the Junk Man. Jimmy has been to nine or ten um, CMCs over the years. We had lots of people who had been to three, four, five CMCs. Um, our last one was in 2018, so it's been quite a break. But I, I'm excited about relaunching it because I am going to fit in everything I know about being a really successful one-truck carrier and then, once you have a complete understanding of how you squeeze as much profit as you possibly can out of one truck, we're going to show you how to grow and how to grow the right way, how to become a small fleet. So now the, the program truly is Certified Master Carrier. We start with uh, two topics that really don't have anything specifically to do with trucking. I'm going to spend time on personal financial planning, personal budgeting and, and money management, and just small business concepts. I have a program that, that we really kind of look at as a small business MBA, and that's all part of this. So the, this is a very, very in-depth program. The, the way we're going to do this first um, event at Matt's is we've been talking about this. We had long meetings yesterday trying to figure this out. And I'm going to say this, it, all of this is subject to change, except for the fact that the event's happening. Um, and this is a year long program. It's all the details that could still change as we kind of work our way through this, but it's looking like you will be able to attend this first live event for a hundred dollar ticket. And then we're going to have a package of value that you're going to get for attending that's worth probably three times that anyway. That you will get to see in detail what the entire year program is going to look like. And you're going to learn a lot in this day and a half as well. I, 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 we've never done an event like this for $100. This is new for us. Uh, the, the original... CMC, that was a two-day program, was a $750 ticket, and we sold a lot of those. We have put over a 1,000 people through the CMC program, a couple thousand. So this is the first time we've ever offered this much material for $100, and I'll tell you why. The idea is we want you to join the whole program, which, by the way, is a real bargain as well. The CMC was $1,800 plus you had to spend all that money to get there and take a week off of revenue. 
and it was $1,800. This program will be 1000 and you're getting twice as much, at least twice as much material in this program. And I will tell you, the idea of doing it virtually every two weeks is powerful because our, when I said we, we never had any complaints, we really didn't. But we would always ask for people, what could we do to make this better? And overwhelmingly, by far, the number one answer was, we don't know what to change, but there's so much material to try to absorb in five days that it's really difficult. Um, now, you're not going to have to try to cram all that material into five days. It's way too much. I mean, nobody can absorb it, really. But by doing it every couple of weeks, then you have time to work through that and really learn all of that material. And because it's virtual, it's recorded, and you, you don't even have to take notes. They'll, I mean, you certainly can. Taking notes helps you understand, but all the material will be there for you to go back through as often as you want. All recorded, you have access to it for as long as you're in the program. I'm excited about this. This is, uh, and the other thing that you could add to this is if you're in the CMC 2.0, you could also be in our coaching program, which is still going on, meaning you have two more opportunities every month to talk through this and get even more direct help from me. So this is, uh, this is a big deal for us, big deal for me. This, uh, the CMC was the first seminar I ever put together myself. It's the biggest trucking seminar in the country. Nobody else has ever presented this much material and I'm about to double that amount. So. You're going to be hearing a lot about it. It, uh, it is probably what I will be spending about 90% of my time on between now and the Mid-America Truck Show. So if you have any questions about it, by all means, give me a call. Let's jump into the phones and uh, keep our fingers crossed. It's always the phone calls that create problems for us, but uh, let's give it a shot. We're going to go to Illinois. Dale, welcome to the program. So I got... Uh all the information from me from the last week's coaching, so I appreciate you guys getting that to me. Got Good. all that information. But uh, what I wanted to ask you about is, <clears throat> this has happened to me two different times, last year and again now. So as I talked to you before, you know, I'm having a hard time with everything, but to get back on my diet with everything going on. Right. So I started back on carnivore, and... Uh, I have been eating eggs and strictly venison. Okay. It's, um, well, I should say strictly venison, uh, like baked uh, uh, pork chops. But mostly it's all been venison, homemade venison that I have made. Good. And uh, the problem I had have is uh, I had gotten sick for some reason. And uh, when I grew up, it, it, it looked like a bunch of sand, but it it was um, uh, it was like fat, undigested fat, and I never had that happen to me except for one time last year when I was when I was hardcore on the carnivore diet. It was like undigested fat or something, or like fat or grease. Is that is that normal? Or I know it's not normal, but I mean, is that I, normal on the carnivore diet? I guess like I, I don't know. Well, I'm kind of confused it, it, on that. 
first off, vomiting isn't normal. I mean, we got to start there. Do we have any idea why you were vomiting? I would say um, probably because I'm getting back a carnivore. And, and it, like I said, it done it to me before when I started getting on a carnivore hardcore. Uh, all the beef, you know, all the meats and stuff. It just, I don't know if that's, I'm having a problem with digesting that. Again, so, uh, it, because it, I had gotten off off of that and I'm starting back on it again yeah and and that's what I needed to know did did you have like the flu or something and that was causing you to vomit but it didn't sound like that so that that is a definite indicator that your digestive system is compromised and we have to figure out why the first thing that comes to mind well let me ask you a question this may help have you ever suffered heartburn or acid reflux Yes, and, and we had discussed that. That's what I thought. Uh, that, that, that's, I wanted okay. to verify that. Yeah. So my first thought is that your stomach acid is weak, and we need very, very strong acidic stomach acid to digest protein. Proteins are the hardest thing to digest, and we need really strong stomach acid to do it. And if you don't... I. I've experienced this if if I eat, well, not anymore because I I fixed it. But when I first started eating more carnivore than keto, I would get nauseous a lot after I ate. And, you know, I'd get busy and think, well, you know, I've got that intestinal scarring and that's what it is. And then I stopped thought, no, wait a minute. There's got to be more to it than just that. And it dawned on me that nausea is a sign of weak stomach acid especially if you're eating a lot of protein the 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 protein sits in your stomach too long and causes nausea and yours is even more extreme it's causing you to vomit so what i would recommend is every time you eat meat i would be supplementing hydrochloric acid and as much as you need I mean, you might be taking four, five, six capsules. I've had people take up to 10 to have enough good, strong stomach acid to digest meat. And here's the thing. It's one of those things where we have to jumpstart your system. We have to, that, that venison has all the nutrition your body needs to be able to produce good stomach acid. That, that's where we get the nutrients, things like zinc and um, other things that are not really found in plants at any amount. It's in, it's in protein that we get the nutrients that build our stomach acid so we can digest protein. But in the beginning, if your stomach acid is so weak that, that you're not digesting this so much to the point that you're vomiting, then you're not going to get those nutrients. So it's, it's kind of this vicious circle. So we jumpstart the system by taking as much hydrochloric acid as you need to be able to digest that meat without getting nauseous or vomiting. Now, I've heard you talk about that, that uh, acid before. Is that... Bill Farm, do you sell that in the store? We do. We have several different forms of any of our products you see with HCL. That's hydrochloric acid. We have some HCL that has other enzymes in it that help us digest other parts of the food. We have some more powerful versions. Um, this may be a case where... That What's that? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to catch you off of. What would you recommend that I start off with 
Um, are do you know whether or not you're also having trouble digesting fat? You had mentioned that it looks like there might actually be fat in there. That's I, I'm not sure if that's what you're seeing or not. Um, it's easier to tell uh, in the toilet bowl if we're digesting fat well. If your stools are really light colored or even gray, or you can actually see an oil slick uh, in the toilet bowl, then you're not digesting fat yeah. very well either. I do have a like an oil sheen. Oh, that, that's, a, that's an absolute indicator. Sometimes color could be some other things, but um, that's an absolute indicator. So um, uh, let me think. How do we want to approach this one? Um, I now, think I, I would... I haven't done my uh, yet. I would start with... Yeah, when I, do the, when I see a NutriQ, I may change my mind on this, but let's start with Betaine plus HP. Okay. That, that's our strongest version of hydrochloric acid. Um, if we need to add some enzymes later, we could add another product after I see the NutriQ or, or if the fat digestion doesn't improve, and it probably won't. We're probably going to need to add something for the fat digestion. Uh, but, but let's just start with a good, strong hydrochloric acid. When you sit down to eat meat, start with at least two of these taken right before you start eating or right as you're eating, take two. If you finish eating and in a little bit you start to feel a little nausea, take more. And, and you won't take too much because at some point you can actually start to feel this burn in your stomach a little bit. And if you feel that, that that's probably um, a good amount. But don't worry about overdoing it. I've, I've had people take 12 of these with one meal. What did you call that again? Uh, what was the name of it again? Betaine plus HP. Betaine plus HP. Okay. Give that a I shot. I, I think I'm you're going to notice a significant stop. difference in the way you feel after eating a big meal of protein. Okay, so anything's got to be better than there, what I'll right now. There you go. All right. Keep it up. All right. Thank you very much, Kevin. You're welcome. Talk to you soon. All right. Oh, the phones are working. I have no idea why our other phone system didn't work. Let's go to Massachusetts. Todd, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. It looks like your uh, phone system goes down like a $3 hooker. I mean, what's, what's going on? I don't get it. I, I really don't. I know that sometimes the issues are on our end, but for the most part, I've really eliminated every problem on our end I can eliminate, and we continue to work on that. But uh, I am just shocked at how inconsistent things are. That, that our, the other phone system that failed us today, we used that phone system for years to do a podcast before. I actually used that system as my call screening software for years that I was on Sirius and I never had issues with it. Hmm. And, and now it, it's like, yeah, uh, I'm frustrated. Well, uh, you have, I don't know a thing about this. So I'm just guessing, but you have Starlink now in between you and us, right? And could that be, I know you dragged it from your truck. I, I don't know. I'm just guessing. No, that and, actually uh, that the solar flares that actually solved our issue. Several of them. So, if I had to dragging. group our issues, there's there's probably four things that have caused us problems on the air. 
one of them is just technical issues with the equipment on my end. Cables, I mean, we've had, you know, mixing boards fail on us. Um, that's one. And, and we've mostly eliminated those because I'm down to such a small amount of equipment. There aren't as many things to go wrong. We're trying to really simplify the system. In the beginning, we had to hack together so many different things to make this happen. It was complicated. And I've been working on that, getting it more and more simple. The next area where we had issues was uh, internet connectivity itself just losing an internet connection or dropping out for a couple seconds, and then the whole show restarts and causes all kinds of problems. Um, that's what we fixed with Starlink. What I noticed was when I had the Starlink on the coach and the Starlink out at the farm, I wasn't having any internet issues. Those problems went away. So we now have three Starlink accounts, the farm, the house, and the coach. Uh, I'm, I'm working on getting that down to two I just have to make my equipment move easily from the house to the coach. Once I get some things fabricated, I'll be yeah. able to at least get rid of one of those accounts. But that has virtually, having Starlink has virtually eliminated our internet problems. And by the end of this week, I'm hoping maybe even today, I've got this other device uh, that connects all of our internet connections. So we're going to keep the fiber at the house, even though we don't use it anymore because it's a problem for the show. We have the Starlink. We have a Verizon card and an AT&T card. All of those connections go into this one box and this box bonds those signals together. And they tell me that it is virtually impossible to have a drop at that point because all four internet connections would have to go down in order for me to have a drop. That's what they're claiming. Um, so once I get that in, yeah. then we should be guaranteed not to have an internet issue. So that eliminates another problem. Now what we're dealing with is the last weak link in the, the program here it is the phone system. And we've used both of these systems for years and pretty trouble-free. And now, hell, yesterday I had problems with both systems in the same day. Oh, I know. Yeah, I was on the I was on the line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I just before I forget the uh, I wanted to make a, a comment about the caller with the vomiting. Yeah. Oh, okay. You can hear there. I thought you lost you. So um, at one point when I was transitioning uh, off of the sad onto um, you know paleo vor carnivore, I I reached a point where I was like, oh well. Fat is good, more fat is better. And I actually did this a little bit. It's going to sound gross even to all of you out there but and you, but I put tallow, I think that this was whatever you get from pigs, so maybe it's lard. On Pig lard. Spoon, and I would just eat it. But lard, okay. And, um, and I was just, you know, because I'm, I'm the guy who eats raw meat, and I, I'm a, you know, not an anti-foodie, but an un-foodie. You know, I, I, if I don't have to cook it, I'm happy. Right. So I was doing that. I don't know for how long, a handful of days, less than a week. And all of a sudden I had to vomit, you know, and it was ugly and it was scary and I couldn't begin to make sense of it. And, um, but the, the color of the vomit, boy, listen to the stuff we talk about, the color of the vomit, it, I didn't realize it right away. It took me a day or so, but it was exactly the color of the lard. Oh yeah. Okay. And, um, but, you know, and so, you know, I, I, 
absolutely have all my body parts, including my gallbladder. And so it, it was just too much fat. And I, I wonder, now I, I lost a lot of a call between you and that caller because I had to call back in on a different number and I lost a big chunk of the show. So I don't know what, what you guys discussed, but um, I, um, I just assumed it was too much fat. And I don't know what that other it, caller was eating. Maybe he's eating a you know, just he, too much fat. Or I, too, I think he's eating too, too much, much too soon. Too much protein is what we determined with him. It could be either one. Too much fat will definitely cause nausea. Uh, that's part of the reason why fat is satiating for us. You eat fat and it kind of kills your appetite. If you eat too much fat, it'll really kill your appetite and make you nauseous. And what you did pushing to the limit and you go beyond, I, I recommend that all the time. We can't know what our limit is until we push past it at some point. So I, I have talked yeah. about how I can almost live on fat and, and almost do a fat fast. You know, if I do two cups of NDK coffee in the morning, four you know, tablespoons of butter, four tablespoons of coconut oil. I won't eat the rest of the day. I mean, that just wipes out my appetite. If I were try to try to drink yeah. a third, I would be horribly nauseous with that much fat. There's no doubt about it. So, and protein, yeah. same way. I, I realized when I was eating carnivore that every time I was eating, I was slightly nauseous after the meal. And that's just an indication you don't have good, strong stomach acid. The fat causing nausea, there's nothing we can do to help that except just eat less fat. That fat sitting in your stomach, it doesn't even start yeah. to get digested until it moves out of your stomach into the gallbladder pancreas there. So if you're getting nauseous from too much fat, you just have to back off. If you're getting nauseous from too much protein, try some hydrochloric acid and see if that fixes it. Yep, yep. Um, I have um, something I, I think is kind of fun I've been wanting to ask you. So I, I know uh, you like President Trump's policies and not too much else. And so say he wins, which, you know, barring something catastrophic, he's going to win. And I'm, I'm curious to know if you see any kind of opportunities. I don't really want to qualify that, but if I were, it would be, you know, jobs, money, investments, Anything associated with him particularly becoming president, do you see any kind of opportunity for the random person? Not, not really. Um, not anything specific enough that I could say, this is going to happen, get ready for this. There are way, way too many variables to even think about right now. One you already mentioned. Um, I, I'm more concerned about the fact that this is shaping up to look like if there is no kind of interference, if they don't try to put him in jail, if they don't somehow stop him from running or get him off the ballot somehow, it is shaping up to look like he will yeah. be the president. He's clearly, unless something drastic happens, he's clearly going to be the Republican nominee. And if the Democrats don't yeah. get together and figure out who's running, if it's Joe, I don't see how he's going to make it. Seriously. Um, it, it, it's getting pretty late for them to bring, you know, a, a pitch hitter in at this point. So it, it's starting to look like if they don't interfere somehow, he probably will be president. What scares me, and I'm, I'm all for it this time. Uh, and let me tell you something else I 
had did not see coming whatsoever. I would have claimed the exact opposite was about to happen. Um, you know, I've talked pretty a lot about Vivek um, from way back when, yep. before he even announced that he was running. I was talking about him because of his book, Woke Inc. Um, I've been following him for a long time. I like the guy a lot. I had no illusions at all that he was going to be president this time. In fact, I said he doesn't have a chance, but I'm glad he's in the race. Now, I fully expected that when he dropped out, that may have been all we were going to hear from him for a while. I didn't think he was going to be much, very involved in this election once he decided to drop out, except have you watched him and Trump lately? They're like best buddies. Yes, I have. I never saw that coming. Makes you wonder. I never thought Trump's ego would allow him to have somebody that strong around him and a part of this, but, but he is, and, and that's pretty exciting. Now, I, a lot of people are already talking about, will he be the vice president? I, I have no idea. Um, I, I, I would almost say, again, I kind of doubt. Um, pre- all presidents very seldom pick somebody really strong as their vice president. I mean, that's why we always have such lackluster vice presidents. That That's the way the system works. So I don't know if, if uh, Trump has it in him to, to partner with somebody that's strong or not. We'll see. I think it would be amazing if yeah. it happened. Uh, there's, an actual, there's an actual recipe for vice president picks. If I can remember it, it was demography, Oh yeah. Ideology. Yep. Yeah. And, it, 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 it has, gotta be boring. it has nothing to do with hiring or, or, you know, choosing somebody that's going to be really, really effective in that role. They choose somebody that gets them elected. That's what they're looking yeah. for. They're looking yeah. for somebody who fills in the gaps where they're not strong in certain, like you said, populations. And they, it, it's a way to get elected. And then we almost never hear about the person. They don't do much. They're not all that impressive. Um, so th- this will be interesting to see what happens. But here's, here's my concern more than anything is that they do somehow get Trump off the ballot. And the longer this goes... And the stronger his poll numbers get, and the more it looks like he would absolutely be elected, and if they stop it, I, I can't imagine what's going to happen. Yeah, it's like Vivek says sometimes, this is a 1775 moment. That would be a 1775 moment for real. Uh, it, that would absolutely. make January 6th look like. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, I, I was just listening to a Twitter space before your show came on, and there's, I think the, the person on the call said there was 19 states backing Texas and their, uh, I don't know, their, their sovereignty to remain as a secure state and whatever that means and looks like uh, in terms of keeping the illegals out. So there were 19 states on board with Texas. And um, so that's that already before, you know, what we're not going to talk about in terms of something catastrophic. But um, yeah, it's, it's just hor- it's a horrifying specter. And, uh, so so to go back to your original question, come. trying to predict any kind of opportunities if Trump gets in is next to impossible because there's so many issues about him getting in at all. But then there's another huge issue. We get so focused on the president. Uh, Congress matters a lot. 
And we have, I have no idea what to predict is going to happen with Congress this time. Just none whatsoever. You know, it, 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 even when Trump was president and had both sides of the, the, you know, the House and the Senate, he didn't accomplish as yep. much as anybody thought he could have. Remember, he struggled with a lot of things. Couldn't get the border wall done um, when he had total control. If he doesn't get total control, it, it ends up being kind of a stalemate again. Now, he, he's going to do what all presidents do anymore, which I think sucks, is he's going to govern by, by executive order. And, and I hate that from any president. I get it. You have to do it sometimes. Yeah. But we're to the point now where every new president just writes a whole bunch of executive orders and changes everything the last administration did. And that's not the way our system is supposed to work. And anybody has any kind of ganglia between their ears, they, they realize that World War Three has started and they are. This country is under attack from health wise. Um, you know, we, we made the case yesterday for money wise, but certainly from illegal immigration. And yesterday I, I saw a report of taking down the concertina wire or the razor wire. Why in the hell so, would you do that unless you wanted to make it easier towards Election no. Day just to be overrun? Yeah, let's yeah. Let's talk about the things that are going on. World War Three is is really kind of happening. Uh, we're in a war with Iran, yeah. whether you want to call it a proxy war. Uh, we're in a war with with Ukraine and Russia, and China's threatening um, as well. We we could end up in a conflict there. It is starting to shape up like a, a world full blown world war could happen. And at the exact same time, we have the makings, and I, I don't think this is too strong of language, where I think we've got to talk about this and realize that, that we are closer than ever on both a world war and a civil war than we've ever been in my lifetime. At the same time, because here's what's going on in Texas that, right now. Texas at Eagle, is it Eagle Creek? We have Eagle Creek here, so. Eagle Pass. Eagle Pass. Eagle, that's Pass. What it, Eagle Creek is right behind my house yeah. here. Yeah. Um, Eagle Pass. That, that's where a lot of these migrants, illegal immigrants, terrorists, rapists, gang members, not just from Mexico or the South. They're coming from all over the world to Mexico because they know they can get across our border. Eagle Pass is one of the worst places. Texas finally got tired of it and put up a bunch of concertina wire and put troops and said, you're not coming through here anymore. And they're actually arresting people who try. That's how it should be handled right now. We have like yep. a million cases of, of asylum that judges have to look at. When you look at the number of judges we have and the number of cases, it will take us 27 years to clear this. It's not going to happen, and we keep letting them in. That has to stop. I don't care who you are. You can't think this is a good idea for our country. So you have to be in one of two camps on this one. Either you don't believe it's happening, or you're just an idiot to think that this is okay. There, and just, or you want to destroy the country. It, it, this is you want to destroy the this will destroy our country if we don't stop this so texas has been begging the federal government for years since biden's been in office to fix this they won't and and governor abbott said we'll fix it ourselves. 
They put up a bunch of concertina wire, stop people from coming over. The federal government takes it to the Supreme Court, which I thought was conservative. The Supreme Court has ruled with the... And, and the federal government wants Texas to take all that down because what they're claiming is their agents can't get to the place they need to get to to rescue these people and they're going to drown and die. Um, stop trying yep. to cross over into our country and you won't drown and die. That's a much better solution. <laughs> but the, the federal government says you got to take all this down. The Supreme Court actually agrees with the federal government. I, I don't know how they came up with this one if we have such a conservative Supreme Court, but they did. So Texas's response was, we don't care. They started piling up more concertina wire. So this is the standoff we're at in Texas right now between the federal government and the state of Texas. And to these people, like, I'll just pick on Barbara Streisand and these pinkos and these commies and these losers that say, oh, no, we don't, you, we don't want a wall. That's, that's mean. I, I'd like to volunteer my time and money to go and remove the front door from their house or maybe part of the wall of their, their home and, and see how they feel about that. It, you know, we've got to have a wall. You've got to control. You don't have borders. You, you, you know, don't have anything. You don't have a front door in your house. What do you have? You know, you know? this is another area where, um, I, I think my take on this may or may not surprise people. I don't know. Um, I am all for more immigration. We need to seek out more people to come to our country. I absolutely believe that. I, I kind of believe, I, I'm believing more and more in the book, The End of the World is Just the Beginning, and this is a people problem. We need more people in this country, more yeah. good, qualified people who want to work hard and build businesses, not more entitled people. We don't need a bunch of third world right. refugees. I'm sorry. We don't need a bunch of third world refugees that will not add anything to our economy. They will take away from it. It's already happening. So on one hand, I am all for more immigration, but we have got to shut down the border and we have got to vet these people. And, and that is nowhere on the radar for the Democrats. They, all, all they care about is oh, just that's profile. flooding our country with, with a bunch of new voters is all they're doing. They're just trying to maintain control yeah. uh, by just importing a bunch new, of voters new, that they'll give everything away to and buy a bunch more votes. New voters. I, you know what? Yesterday, uh, I, I want to read books. Just a thing, I'm, a kick I'm going through. I, I might have read in grade school, like fourth grade. So I go to the library to get Robinson Crusoe. And I love that book. I want to see my driver's license. Isn't it great? Yeah, I'm, I'm entranced with it. Yeah. And because um, I, you know, I probably read it in the fourth grade or whatever it was, but I don't remember a thing about it. Any, so I'm, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. And uh, but I go to the library and, you know, it's fine, whatever. It's They want to see my driver's license. And I didn't say anything to the girl, but I'm like, wait a minute, if I want to go vote, I don't need this license. But if I want this ten dollar book i got to show you my driver's license i you know it was just it's just outrageous you know looking back over politics i I can remember a time where both parties were were certainly closer and you could look at the argument from the other side and and i could see their point i didn't agree with it but i could understand where you could come to some of those beliefs you know, they were reasonable enough, 
I, I don't know everything. I don't have it all right. Nobody does. There was a time where the other side had, had reasonable enough points where you could at least understand their thought process, and it made some sense. It no longer makes any sense whatsoever other than it is nothing but a big push for control. I, I would love to have a Democrat honestly look at me and say, why in the world should we not make somebody prove who they are before they can vote? There is no logical reason ever to have a thought process like that. There is no logical reason right. to have a thought process that we don't need a southern border and anybody that wants to walk into our country can come in and then start collecting benefits, which they're doing, and be allowed to vote without even being a citizen. There, I, and I ask people that, that are democratic, please explain this to me. Please give me a logical reason why you think this is a good idea. Not one single answer because there are no answers to that. Deer in the headlight. Yeah, if you wanted to, to make those cases, uh, you know, why in the world, outside of its World War III and outside of I wanted, you know, they want to destroy the country, there's no case to be made. And speaking of Supreme Court, I remember learning about Oliver Wendell Holmes. He was a Supreme Court justice, right? And, and um, he used to, you know, this, this was a pretty detailed book. And I guess when he got to work at the Supreme Court, he had some kind of a sign on his desk. He would flip it over and say, like, and it said, I am prepared to argue any side of any case. And he would just do with his, you know, whoever worked there, you know, not just other justices. And so, you know, he just loved to debate and to reason through arguments, you know, based on logic, I guess. And, but if, if I'm, but if I were to call your show and say, hey, Kevin, you take out the con or, or the pro, you tell me why it's good that we shouldn't have a wall. Like you were just doing it as an academic exercise. It'd be pretty hard to do unless you're like, okay, I want to destroy the country. I want to overwhelm the system. I want to suck you know, the, the, the economy dry. I want to break the banks. Other than that, you, you know, Unless you were for that, there'd be no argument to make. So going back to what you were saying about, you know, yeah, part, part of uh, the reason we have debate classes in high school and things like that is simply to learn how to debate. Not And a lot of times in, in if you take a debate class or you do anything like that, you are actually required to argue points you don't even agree with. And you do it because you learn the skills of debating, and it's much more difficult right. to try to defend a position you don't believe in, and that makes you develop better skills. Um, I, I could play devil's advocate, and I could say I, I could make an argument for this border issue. Here, here's the only one I could come you up with that, for, that it, for it, it, for just saying, look, we don't need borders. Um, here's the only logical argument I could come up with is that Look, we're all human beings. We all were born on this planet. Why do we have these random lines somewhere that say you can't come across here because you weren't born here? I mean, there is an argument to be made that if we wanted a better world, wouldn't we want to give every human being an opportunity to live in, in a system that works? We know our system worked. I, I could make that argument. Um, a good debater on the other side could make the argument that, okay, I, I understand that. We're all human beings. It sounds like the right and fair thing to do. Um, as long as you're willing to realize that our country is going to go severely backwards for decades before we would ever be able to absorb this and make it work. The opposite of that argument, it, well, it helps to, um, 
to shrink down the example instead of thinking of it as a country, think of it as, you know, your what single family home. And should I just keep letting people into my single family home? And is there no limit? Well, don't you want people to live in a nice home? Well, yeah, but there are, there are limits. And when you shrink these generally nebulous concepts down to something more bite-sized, it starts to become clear that you can only fit so many people in your house. Exactly and when you right. You scale the house out to your country, you know, it becomes but, like if you were living in a village uh, 12,000 years ago and there was 48 people in that village and all of a sudden someone showed up that you didn't know and you'd never seen and didn't speak the same language, you'd be like, what the F is going on here? You're but, suspicious. They could be the nicest people in the world, you know, fell off a boat somewhere, and, but you don't know them and your red flags are going up all over the place. And that's just natural. That's just human. I got more or less kicked out of grad school in Cambridge for making that argument on a quasi thesis. Teachers didn't want to hear it, but no one would um, engage. Right. And on that thing, whereas if you're in, you're in your village and these strangers wander up, you're not just, you're not running up to them and shaking the hand. You're like, you're keeping their distance. If you have a, an eight foot spear or something, you're keeping them at a distance. You don't know who they are what they have in terms of disease or intentions. And it's a real thing. It's a human condition to be suspicious or scared or it, it's just how it is. And, and these people don't want to, they don't want to address it. They say, oh, it's kumbaya and why we don't need borders. Well, take the front door off your house, you know, if you live in Eagle Pass and tell me you don't, you know, I'm sure those people aren't saying it, but you know what I mean. You know, let, let's go to Barbara Streisand's house. Let, let me just have your front door for a couple of well, weeks and you just, you know, you go that way. And we have to realize there, there's two different issues we have to face here. The vast majority of the people who want to come across our border and get into our country and the vast majority of the people who are doing it every day right now are not here to harm us. The vast majority by far are not. They're here because they need, they want to seek a better life and this is the greatest country in the world. We still know that. That's why everybody wants to come here. Um, we have to deal with that. You can't just let them all in or uh, remember fables. You're talking about things we read in fourth grade. Yes. Remember fables. What, yep. What's the fable yep. that fits this best? What are we doing by allowing people across the border? There, there was a fable that taught us this lesson really well. Uh, I can't think of it. We're killing the goose. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The United States yeah, is, is, like the, a, uh, is the goose that lays the economic golden eggs. We are the most powerful economy ever yep. built on the planet. We are the goose that lays the golden eggs. And the fable taught us, don't kill the goose. And that's what yep. we're going to do. If yep. you just let everybody flood in with no control, no vetting, you will kill the goose and everybody loses. That's the thing we have to keep in mind. Yep. And, and we could manage this in a way that would make the goose bigger and stronger. I am all for other people coming into our country. We need them. But we've got to vet them, and they've got to be qualified. You know what? You know, to me, I, I get you. I mean, I'm right with you in spirit. But when we say that, oh, I'm all for, it's, it's almost um, it's like to show, hey, look at how ecumenical look at how agreeable i can be no hold on something but todd, todd this this may shock you and okay. i'm going to piss a bunch of people off i'm sure i will with this statement 
We need more people. I think that's becoming evident in our economy, clearly evident for me. I mean, at running a business now is much more difficult than it was 10 years ago just because of people, customer service, quality issues. I've talked about two phone services that I've used for years, and all of a sudden they're not working right. The internet doesn't work as good as it did 10 years ago. It seems to be worse now. Customer service is awful. Quality control is almost gone in many companies. I truly want new people coming into our economy. I don't care what color they are. I don't really, with some caveats, I don't really care what religion they are. I don't care who they sleep with. I want good quality human beings. We're all human beings. Uh, right. But my, I, but let me, the other side hold on, what, hold on. Here's, here's the part of the statement that will piss people off. When I look around today and I, I, I study this kind of stuff, I pay attention to it. I watch it. I hate to say this, but I am to the point where it is much easier for me to find good, high quality people that want to work that were not born in this country. I am tired of dealing with the entitlement mentality that we've created with our own citizens. I would rather deal with people that came from another country. And that is sad that I have to say that. Right. Well, well, you're more right than you know when you say sad because the standard American diet and the brain drain, it's all connected. That's why so many of those people that come here, you know, they might have grown up on you know, bugs and crickets and whatever, but it was organic and they're smarter and they don't have the entitlement but attitude. But what I was going to bridge that, what I was saying is, um, so yeah, yeah well, you, we'll, we'll take some people like you're saying, but if we hyper cherry pick people like, you know, Vivek and, and I know he was born here in uh, Elon and all those people kind of. But what I was going to say is at one point in time, and I think it was 1964, I don't know why that doesn't matter really, but there was a moratorium and that's what we need now. So I, I say, you know, if I'm King, King Todd says for one generation, 25 years, we shut off immigration outside of cherry picking people like Musk and so forth to come in because even if President Trump deports all of them, and may he do so, we need to stop and let the, let the waters clear and, and figure out which end is up with all this illegal immigration and just shut it off for a generation and restart it. Oh. And that does have precedent in recent history, like I say, in the 60s, I think. And um, what do you think about that? Uh, I'd be okay with I don't know about a generation. That's a long time. I, I do want to try to get as many illegals out of this country that don't belong here as we can. I, 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 you can't break the law to get into our country. I, I'm sorry. If you want more people, then Congress got to change the laws about who we're letting in. But you can't just break our laws to get here. And if you're here illegally, I, I think we need to do everything we can to send you back. Go back over, try again the right way. Um, but I, I'm not sure that I would want to yeah. shut off all immigration for an entire generation when I really am looking at this like this whole population people thing seems to make a lot of sense. We're seeing it happen in front of us. I think it would be short-sighted to say let's, well, let's close down our borders and not let anybody in. Well, we could cherry pick, but I, I was thinking about what you were saying yesterday about health and finance and it seems like the more we got away from our, you know, hunter-gatherer ancestors, those that's when we got the problems of, you know, big pharma and we got oh, no disease doubt. and we got corruption. And um, 
the, the further we tack away from it, the more of these problems we're going to have. And so the smaller, smaller is better or quality. Like if I'm going to form a basketball team, am I going to get a midget, a piano player, a butcher, a baker, or a candlestick? Or am I going to get the tallest, most athletic guys with a proven track record of playing? And, you know, that, that's what we got to do. Those are the people, if we have to go outside of this country, that, those are the people we can look for. And I say we cherry pick them during our moratorium of, a, of, you know, of a generation or maybe a little bit less than that. But just so the United States can I, keep laying those great golden eggs, you know. I, I would say that we don't shut it down completely that we severely restrict it to highly qualified people and we don't even have a time limit on that. That's how it should always be. Okay, and I guess we could define qualified with, you know, some proven track record of building a business or at least like they do with any immigrant, do you have a way, a means to support yourself? And beyond that, you know, what are your plans? That could be done, you know, but of course I, it could. I, I like and and we just need first. to get away from goofy programs like, okay, we vetted you to come into this country and you're qualified and we could use your skills. And now you can let all your family come in too. No, that's got to stop. Every person, yes, I, his, his cousin could be a terrorist for all we know. And we're just letting people in because they're part of a family unit. That doesn't work either. Kevin, we have policies that... I'm that we have policies that give somebody's family member a, a, an advantage over somebody that might be more qualified to be here and actually add to our economy. One of the things we've got to do in this country, much, much bigger picture than just immigration, we have got to get back to a culture of excellence. We have, we have created a culture yeah. of it's okay to be less than average. And it's not only okay, it, you, you're better than the next person if you try to be just some shit bum, Cheeto-eating, <laughs> well, we, and gin-drinking. We do you seem to, to have created a, in your, yeah. a, a culture where we actually reward the bottom part of our society. We don't put people in jail anymore. We, we let them go over and over and over. We don't prosecute a lot of crimes anymore. Um, we keep giving more and more benefits to people that aren't working. We have created the opposite of what we should be doing. We should have a culture of excellence. And instead we've created a culture of the more, the, the worse you are at anything, the more we're going to give you because you need it more. That, that's the thought process. We will be back tomorrow for trucking technology and efficiency and a Friday free for all. We will see you then be safe be profitable be fit and healthy always do the hard work and master the journey